here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So I want to go to Ephesians 3 and verse 10. Ephesians 3 and verse 10. And uh, really Paul speaks about Ephesians. He, speaks, he starts off with the individual. He starts off about who you are in Christ. And then he moves on into fellowship, into community, into body of Christ language. And then only then after then he goes into, okay, but this is now how you can live. Um, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Then he starts to speak about living out this mission. So Ephesians 3 really is sort of the pivot of the book of Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians. And verse 10 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authority in the heavenly places. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And just amazing to see that God's purpose in all of this is what? Is the church. God's purpose is the church. Now verse 9 uh, speaks about the mystery of Christ, the, the, the thing that was hidden since the creation of the earth. And he says the purpose all along was church. Yes, church was birthed through Christ. So Christ is part of the ushering in of the church age. But really, I love this. It says it is displaced the wisdom of God that it would be the church. But if you see, who are we testimony to then? We are testimony to a spiritual reality. We are testimony as a church to the spiritual realm. And you know uh, the, the word that they say, um, a house divided will not stand. So when we stand together, and the word here speaks about the rich variety. Now, if you look around the room, there's quite a variety of us, amen? Different ages, we come from different backgrounds, maybe different places. We were born in different areas. We we're in different phases of our life. We've got kids' church next door. We've got mother's corner, parents' corner outside. Some of us are maybe at retirement. Some of us are only dreaming about retirement. Some of us are only starting out right now. Some of us are still studying. Like, it's such a variety, but it is the wisdom of God and it is the fact that this variety can stick together that is now a testimony, not just to the world, but also to the unseen world. And I love that because it means that this is not logical. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. This actually should not happen. If you look at any natural clan or group, people of like-mindedness, people of the similarities, those are the ones who draw together. But in church, we have that in the spirit. Where's one church, there's one spirit, there's one God. Amen? Ephesians 4 speaks about that, and we'll look at that in a bit. So what is it that unites us? It is not our differences, even though that is what we celebrate. That even because of our differences, we are still united. That's something to celebrate, but we don't need to look for different people because they'll fit in. No, the reason we fit in is Christ. Because Christ is the head of the body. And if we submit to that head, then we're all part of the same body. And I think it's so beautiful for me that this was God's purpose all along, is that we can all fit together. We can all fit together in what church? Now, church is not a building, because you would know then uh, we've got a big building, because we meet in another hall every week. I mean, <laughs> this is a big building, and you need to sometimes look for us and find us. But church really is the grouping. It's the, it's the meeting together. And I want us to step into more of that. I want us to step into a closer-knit uh, community and um, when I was in Bonteyeva last week, it's awesome to, to hear, they don't, we, we, we've got life groups, and we don't just talk about life groups because we need something to say. We continuously speak about life groups because we want it to be an integral part of our culture as church. Now, what Norman and them in Bonteyeva, they call life groups care groups. 
No, it's cell groups, care groups, life groups. It doesn't really matter what it is. But I love the word care group because this is where we take care of each other. This is where you are taken care of. And maybe you feel a bit on the outskirts. Maybe you feel a bit lonely. Maybe you feel like you don't know what's going on in the church. Well, if you were in Lucas's um, life group, then you would have known the news before today. Because there's an inner circle. There's people close to them. And we share with those people. We, we, we open our hearts a bit more. And I say to them, you need to speak to your life group before Sunday because they cannot hear from me. They need to hear from you. And we've got plans and we're going to be all right and it's going to move forward and there's new leaders who's going to step up and, and, and it's going to be awesome. But there's a care there. There's a family. They're having meals together. So even in, in many African cultures, you don't just eat with anyone. Because in their culture, you eat out of the same pot. So you're actually mixing saliva. Okay, let's be... Let's be real. <laughs> I don't know how COVID impacted that, but you, you, you dip it now, you know, no, no. And then if you want a second bite, then you must think about it. Or you go first and you make a big one. <laughs> but if we look at the church in Acts, like they met together daily and they were breaking bread together. That's that fellow. They were partaking of one loaf. They didn't put it through the slicer and you take one and you don't touch. Like they were breaking bread. They were drinking off the same cup even. There's a fellowship, there's a closeness, it's things you do with family. So it says, this was the eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So yes, Jesus was the plan, but not just for Jesus' sake, not just so we could have Jesus. Jesus was the plan so that we could have church. Jesus was the plan so that the Spirit of God could be poured out, because therein, in one Spirit, there's one unity. So Jesus came to facilitate, to usher in what God was doing. Verse 12 says, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Now, I don't know about you, I'm more confident if I'm not alone. Jesus sent them out two by two. He didn't just send them out one by one. Later on, they went out one by one and they died alone, most of them. (laughs) Shame, martyrs. What is your picture of church? Are you willing to die for the body? I know that's deep and harsh, but if our picture of church is just so we can have nice things and nice places, I mean, then we made it because look at this view. Look at this carpet, and I don't know if the aircon is just right today, or like, we, I'm looking forward to February, because we're going to have aircon in the church, amen? <laughs> it's not going to be rainish and sweaty, and like, but that is not what, that's not why we exist. We exist to lay down our lives, because Jesus said, this is love. That you lay down your life for someone. This is real love. That you lay down your life. And one of the guys in the video said it there. He's like, you're willing to give up everything so that someone else can flourish. And that really is church. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. And God wasn't speaking about money, Jesus, when he said that. Because he gave love. He gave himself. For God so loved the world. This is how man and everyone will know that what a love is. When you lay down your life. When you lay down your life, when it's not about me, but it's about us. We just finished marriage preparation course and we do it from time to time. And the number one thing we want to bring across, it is the individual die because it's no longer one or two. It's now one flesh. Now it's team. Now it's family. Now we make decisions not for you or me, but for us. What is best for team? And in church, I want us to have that. What is best, not for me, but for church? What is best for the family? Where can I serve? Not where, do I, where will I be seen? Where am I needed? What is needed? How do I lay down my life and then serve in that place? 
I listened to, um, I think it was Ben Conway who spoke about the ministry school he went to. And uh, the, the founder there would throw papers out the window. And then he would look and see who of the students would pick up those papers. And he would know those are leadership potential. So, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm not littering, I'm watching. No, I'm joking. But it's, that, that, for me, that is such a godly thing. It's laying down your life. It's there where no one watches, no one, where, no, where no one looks. I want to I wanna commend Pierre. Right in the back corner there. That's where he always wants to sit. There was one morning downstairs, and someone messed something, one of the kids, on the floor. And it was just after I heard this, what Ben Conway said. And I was just observing. And I wasn't even thinking about that. And a lot of us were just moving over it and like stepping over it. And Pierre actually went down on his knees and he cleaned the floor. Because that's what the church, that's how he served the church. That's honorable. And he didn't do it to be seen. He didn't even know that I saw him. But he was, he was laying down. He was willing to serve so that the church could be better off, so that no one else would slip on it, so that it would look neat. And that really, that is what God honors. And that is what God sees, amen? Even when no one sees, even when I don't see. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Then He says, so please don't lose heart because of my trials. Please don't lose heart because of my trials. A lot of people in church today, like if it's bad, then you're in the wrong church. If you're not flourishing sevenfold and eightyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold, then you're not believing right, you're not sowing right, you're not keeping right. No, it is not about that. It is, even if there's trials, he says, my suffering is for you, so you should feel honored. My suffering is for you, so you should feel honored. My suffering is for you, so you should feel honored. So that's why we have long suffering. <laughs> no one wants that fruit. Who wants the fruit of long-suffering? Endurance, patience. Those are, not the pro, that, those are not the ones. Those are the ones you need. Yeah. That's life. That is what life does. That is what life brings. That is what, what life requires. You need to pick up on that. You need to endure. You need to run the race. I've ministered about it, I think it was three weeks ago, about the marathon race, Hebrews 12. It's an agony. The word is agon, the Greek word. It is where we get agony. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no one said amen. The marathon race, the agon, the agony, the obstacle course that is laid out before us. God didn't place the obstacles there, but He knew they would be there. To foster children, to take in families, to, to open your house, to be hospitable, to, to lay down your life. None of that is nice. Let's be honest. It's not glamorous. It's not fancy, it's not paradise, but it's church, it's Christ, it's family, it's community, it's worth it. Because it's for the one. Jesus was willing to sell everything, to give up everything for the one. To leave the 99, to go after the one. So Ephesians 4 speaks about this, we're continuing along this vein of thought, and we're going to go and look in verse 1. Ephesians 4, and verse 1 says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord, again, no one said amen. I want to be like Paul. Okay, are you willing to go to, to prison? Are you willing to do without? 
Are you willing to lay down your life? I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, there's two meanings to that. Yes, he's doing whatever God is calling him to do. But it's also literal, unfortunately. <laughs> he is in prison. Why? Because of the gospel. Because he was willing to lay down his life. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. The word vocation there we can get job from and it's wrong because it's calling. Be worthy of the calling with which you were called. So what is our calling? Yo, a lot of people trip over that. What is your calling? I can't do anything until I hear my calling. And then we get this teaching of stay in your lane. What a horrible teaching. The race that is set before you, the agon, the agony, the obstacle course, that is your lane. It's narrow, few find it, but are you willing to, to endure? That's basically the Christian invitation. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, there's no more sin issue. Yes, there's grace. Yes, you not you need to bring any sacrifice. But you get now to lay down your life. What a popular message Peter is preaching this morning. Amen. <laughs> we can go deep into the Word and we can see all of those things. And guess what we're going to find at the end of the day? It's the people. Hebrews 11 says the world was the, they wasn't worthy of them. The world wasn't worthy of the remnant of faith. They were walking around, staying in caves, wearing um, animal clothes, wearing skins. The world wasn't worthy, but they were sticking it out. They were on the race. They were looking to make a difference. They were living a life of purpose. It says here, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, there you have it, forbearing one another in love, to hold up, to hold oneself erect and firm, to sustain, to bear, to endure. I can't, I can't be in this church because I can't deal with the people there. Well, Paul just said like that you will forbear, <laughs> that you will endure, that you will stick it out, that you will be long-suffering. And meek, meek means not what I do, but what you want to do. James speaks about meekness. We looked at it at um, Iron Man on Friday morning. And it includes teachability. Are you teachable? That is a great check on your meekness. And you know what? God gives grace to the humble, so it's good to be teachable because then you can increase in grace. When you're willing to be wrong, you can grow. Until then, you're going to stay where you are. That is with doctrine. That is with teaching. That is with leadership. All of those things. Now look at it. He says, I'm, 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 the, I'm a prisoner. You are called. There's a loneliness. There's a meekness. There's a long-suffering. There's a forbearing. And the reason for that is love. So he doesn't say you're going to stick it out until we all agree. He says, no, you're going to stick it out no matter what because of love. Jesus stuck it out with Judas. Jesus stuck it out with Judas, the son of perdition. He washed his feet. And we only get snippets of the life of Christ on earth. But I'm sure Judas was a bit of a, a pain. Because he was actually serving another God. He was serving mammon. And it was totally contrary to what Jesus was doing. So there was many interactions, I believe, where Jesus had to sit him down and talk to him and, and, and sort of change his heart and try and explain to him things. And I'm sure Jesus did it with love. Why do we then do this? Why, do we, why are we willing to suffer, to endure, to, to run this agon, the agony? I mean, first I've run is 10Ks, and I'm not planning on running much further. But if you've ever done the comrades, which I'm sure some of you have, you know it's not fun. It can't be. Like, don't tell me it's fun. <laughs> There's no way. It's painful, I'm sure. That I'll agree to. 
But it is the long suffering. You don't say it was so much fun. You said I finished. That is what the, that, that's why you do it. And once you've done it, you know you can do it. Once you've done it, whether you train or not, you know you can do 42 easy. If you've done 89, you can do 42. If you've done 42, you can do 21. If you've done 21, you can do 10. If you've done 10, you can do 5. And that is really why we, like <laughs> James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. Because your, your faith is going to strengthen. It doesn't mean God causes those things. It means that you can do it. Currently, I'm learning to deal with a little bit of sleep. Amen? <laughs> That's the season Natasha and I am in. And I know, I'm excited. This morning, we slept till 3. Woo! Wasn't 2.15 like last, the night before. Amen? If you get four hours straight, that's like, it's better than McDonald's, I mean. <laughs> it's good. But you don't want to live there. But you can. It's okay. You can do it. You can do with much more than, than, than what you think. Or much less, actually. Why do we do this? Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, we're willing to submit to love, to suffer, to endure, to be meek, to be wrong, to, 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 to keep up with one another in love, to forgive one another. Why? To keep the unity. To keep the unity. So, if we're going to be continuously offended, then we're going to miss out. And we're going to distract where the body wants to go. Because God wants to deal with offense, but He wants to move on from there, I believe. He wants to change the world. So, Now, this is where I'm asking the Holy Spirit in the inside of me, do I speak about it? Mark 4 speaks about the four soils in the seed. I mean, and I can sow seed after seed after seed, Sunday after Sunday, some Sundays, three, three services. But if the heart condition is not in a place to receive, then it's not going to bear fruit. And you cannot do much about the seed, but you can do much about your heart condition. Are you coming to receive? Are you coming to learn? Are you coming to, to maybe be realigned? Are you coming to serve? Are you coming to spectate or participate? If you want to find fault in what I say, I'll show you where I miss the grammar. Amen? I'll show you where I misquote some things. I know those things, but God gives seed to the sower. So I'm just going to keep on sowing. And I want to create more sowers. I want the sowing to multiply so that you don't just receive and eat the bread, but that you start staking the seed that is invested in your heart and start bearing fruit. And that fruit, guess what? It has seed in those fruits. And we don't just eat all the fruit. We get the seed and we sow the seed. Amen? Achnes and them didn't start with how many families now? 90 something, I think. 60 families. 60 families. 100 children. Okay. So they didn't start there. They were willing to start with the one. And then another one. And then we don't know what this looks like. And then we, we, we hear God say this. And we, we go learn there. And we receive this. And we, this person comes along. And before we know it, there's a hundred children in foster care in the King Culture program. That's better off. Because 62 families were willing to open their houses and to lay down their lives. And I stand here and I promise you it's not glamorous. What you see on a Sunday, that's the icing. You don't live of icing. If your kids live of icing, you've got bigger problems. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth it for the one. It's worth it for the unity. It's worth it for family. And guess what? We don't do it by our own steam. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So this morning I was driving into church. I was like excited because I'm tired and I'm weak. So God is going to be strong and God is going to flow because it's not going to be me. And my notes aren't all 
sharp as they usually are. And I don't have all the Greek this morning, but the Holy Spirit has that. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is moving. And when Kunrat gave that word about forgiveness, that is, that is the core of what we have. We have forgiveness. And if one of you walk away and you're reminded that you were forgiven, all of us that carried everything up these chairs, uh, stairs and packed out the chairs and did everything, then it's worth it. But Peter, it's a lot of work for two services on a Sunday. It's worth it. It's for the family. It's for the one. It's for all of us. So he says endeavoring. So endeavoring there is like entrepreneurial. You need to endeavor. It's not going to happen by itself. We need to be going for it. We need to be sure about it. We need to go. We need to, to prioritize this. It says to hasten, to make haste, to exert oneself, to give diligence to what? To keep the unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. To give unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. And there is one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So there's one calling. The calling is go out into all the world and make disciples. Wherever you go, that's all the world, I would believe. (laughs) Why do we do business leaders? Because there's people who will never come to church who's in business. Why do we do outreach? Because there's people who are never going to come to church who we find on the streets. Jesus said... Go out into all the world. He didn't say invite all the world to church. But the church can go into all the world and go and share the gospel there, make disciples. Let's go to Luke 5, just as an example. Luke 5, really, I think it epitomizes what we're sharing today on Stand Sunday and with our focus on family. So verse 17 says, And it came to pass... On a certain day, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So do you think they were there for the healing? The doctors. The lawyers. If the lawyers, and that's like PhD doctors now, if they come knocking, they're not there to wish you good luck. (laughs) They're there to find fault. But what is Jesus doing? Jesus is healing. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. That's a lot of towns. There's a big amount of people there. Well-educated people. Can we say, But the power of the Lord was present to heal. Then behold, a man, uh, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. What we have here is a lame man. Some translations say a bed, some say a mat. Basically, it's a stretcher. Okay, doesn't really matter what it is. But this guy cannot stand. This guy needs healing, but he cannot get to the healer. He's down and out, literally. But he's got friends. He's got friends who believe. He's part of a clan. He's part of something bigger than himself. And at this very stage, he cannot contribute much to that clan, to that family, to that community, to that friendship circle. But you know what he can give? He can give himself. I don't know where you are today, whether you're the one on the bed and the mat and you're laying down and you said, I'm just, I can't give anything, but I'm just here. Well done, good and faithful. 
Remember I said the word about the four-wheeler or the four-wheel drive and sometimes one of those wheels spin? That's okay. As long as you stick onto the vehicle, you don't separate yourself. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up to the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So what they're doing is they're going up the roof and they're breaking the roof open. Someone will pay later. <laughs> Why? Because of their friend. Because their friend needs healing. Their friend needs them. Their friend needs Jesus. So they're willing to risk it. I mean, those are roofs that weren't trusses and civil engineered like we are today. Those roofs could just fall in. But they were willing to risk it to get their friend who could not stand before Jesus. And you know what is so beautiful? Jesus says in verse 20, when he saw their faith. Who's there? It's the friends. That's the beauty of church. Sometimes you don't feel full of faith. Sometimes you don't feel active and alive and ready and going for it and pumping. But if you're still part of family, we have faith. And like he says, your faith. This is amazing. His friends' faith causes Jesus to forgive his sins. He could not get up and run away. Maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to. Yeah, yeah, Owens, no, no, God, go on the roof and like, shut up. You're getting healed today. No, 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 Rick, open the... It's not about the building. You see, it's about the person in the building. It's not about the expense of fixing a roof. It's about that the expense is it's worthy of the one. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So they're completely missing it. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, so they were, this is a word of knowledge. Jesus perceived their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your heart? So now he's calling out what they are thinking on the inside. Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And you know what? What we get to celebrate today is the fact that when we cannot stand, someone else will stand for us. When we cannot get up, someone else will, will carry us in family, in church. When we are down and out, when we are part of church, we are not lost. We are not forgotten. We are not damned. We have hope. Because I have someone that will carry me. I have someone that will stand there for me. I will have someone that will be there for me. I ask guys often, I said, guys, you can listen to everything you can online. And you'll grow in the word. Of course you will. But on whose shoulder are you going to cry? On whose shoulder are you going to cry? I want to say, who's going to do your funeral? Who's going to do your, your, your wedding? Can I tell you a secret? I've done the funerals of people who hated my guts. Because they had no one else 
to do the funeral? Why do I share that? Because we don't want to die like that. We don't want to end like that. We want to be part of a family. We want to get healed, man. In family. And even if you don't have faith, even if you don't have the strength, even if you can't say, yes, I'm going, you can just say, hey, I'm part of. Carry me if you have to carry me, but let's go to where Jesus is. Let's go to where Jesus is going. And sometimes you, we'll pull you along. <laughs> and that's fine. Just don't get off your mat. Just come with. Because tomorrow or next week or next year, you are going to be the one who's going to be back on your feet. And you are the one who's going to carry someone else. And you're going to carry someone else. Maybe that person that carried you before. Or maybe it's someone new that we bring into the family. And they say, hey... I used to be lame on a mat. I used to be down in sin and down and out. And I used to be addicted and depressed and all of these things. But guess what? I have found the one who heals. I have found the one who forgives. And let me carry you there. And you know what? If it was one friend, it would have been a massive burden. Think about lifting someone on your back and climbing up a wall. But there was a group of them. There were many of them. They were friends. And it doesn't say they never fought. It doesn't say they never disagreed. But they were together. Long-suffering. Laying down their life. Forbearing one another. Fighting for one another. Endeavoring to see unity. So that we can all be lifted up. Until every man, Ephesians 4 says, realizes and grows up into the perfection that we have in Christ. And that is what the family is all about. It's not about a lot of few people running far ahead and like calling everyone to come with. It is to be willing to even step back and say, hey guys, let's pace ourselves. Let's get there. You know what I love most about the comrades? It's not the winner. It's the end. When the camaraderie, that's where the word comrades comes from. It's where they pick up the lame man and the one with the cramps and the one with the this and the one with the that. And the saddest part for me is at the end, you have to get over the line by yourself. And I believe God says, well, let your friends carry you over. Because now they carry this guy and he's cramping and he's aching and you can, you can see the suffering. It's evident. And then you get these guys who's willing to give up even the chance of finishing the comrades after 11 grueling hours for the one. And then they pick him up and they are aching and they are full of pain, but they are willing to take one with. And isn't that a picture of the army. Isn't that a picture of military? Leave no man behind. And how do we get there? How do we live there? How do we live like that? It doesn't make sense. It's not logical to give up your life, to lay down your life. I watched this series called Band of Brothers. It's a mini-series about the Second World War. And they asked this guy, how do you not freak out? This is now soldiers who survived. They says, how do you not go crazy berserk from fear? I said, that's a great question because I play paintball and then my adrenaline shoots through the roof and I, I spin, I don't know where to go and then I hide. And he says, how do you run into that battlefield or how do you go after your, your, your friend when the bullets are flying? He says, sir, you need to realize the moment that you are drafted into the army, you are already dead. And that is the only way how you go and make a difference in the army. And I don't know about you, but my Bible says in Galatians 2 verse 20 that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, 
It is no longer I that live, but Christ now lives in and through me. That is how we make a difference. That is how we pick up the one. That is how we take a stand. Not for us, but because of Him. Not for us, but for the others. Those friends were willing to lay it all down on the line so that their friend could stand up. And guess what? I'm sure that friend went about and told so many people about the goodness of Jesus. Hey, but weren't you the guy? And guess what? Yes, I was, but Jesus healed me. How, how did that happen? The friends are included in the testimony, in the story. There's a bond there, I believe, that no one can break. Because they were in front of Jesus together. And guess what? They are now a band of brothers. Going around and making a difference. Taking a stand for those who can't. Living to share the gospel and to make a difference in this world. And I believe God is inviting us into that kind of life. We can get white picket fences in heaven. We can have fancy cars one day and, and all those things. It's, it's just so small if you just live for that. And can I tell you another thing? It's a lie. Jesus never promised that. He said, in this world you will have tribulation. That's a promise. In this world you will have agon, agony. But guess what? I did not leave you as orphans. I'm coming back for you. The word orphan there is also comfortless. I did not leave you comfortless. I did not leave you alone. I did not leave you without hope. But love is like Jesus. Love is laying down your life. Taking a stand for those who cannot stand by themselves. Loving like Jesus because we are called with the same calling. We are empowered by the same Holy Spirit and we are loved by the same Father. And we get to do this. And guess what? We don't have to do it alone. We can do it together. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.